<laughs> All right, welcome to old school Jank Uger. Look at this cast we got tonight for you guys. Wozni Lombre and Francesca Fiorentini. So yeah, there you go. The woke bros are here, the bituations room is here. This is the bringer is here. Look, man, this is a this is a gathering. This is a gathering of of some of the wokest bituationist people on the planet. The wokalos, the gathering of the wokalos. That's exactly what it is. All right, so as always, old school sponsored by shoptyt.com. Uh, the bomber jackets are amazing. Go check it out. And twostrongcoffee.com slash TYT. Why, that's a handmade mug made here in America by a progressive uh, viewer and listener of TYT. <laughs> check it out at twostrongcoffee.com slash TYT. Uh, organic fair trade, and it gives money to progressive crosses. All right, uh, so look, uh, we're gonna do some serious stuff tonight. We're gonna do some uh, nonsense, right? In the nonsense category, uh, Francesca, I love to talk about people's high school uh, stuff. I think there's some chance we might have talked about it in a bonus episode one day, but uh, I want to go back to your high school shenanigans. Old okay, school so. style, I see, okay. Okay, so we're gonna do that in a little bit. But first I'm gonna start with some heavy stuff uh, that Asher and I just went through. Uh, <laughs> okay. So um, I interviewed somebody uh, earlier today uh, between them. Main show and and this, and you guys, the audience is gonna get to see it tomorrow. It's Josh Bernstein, and he's a right winger, and he came on, and you know, it's the usual nonsense. But I, I wanted to know, right? Like, it's to me, it's super interesting what what they think. So he doesn't, you know, the COVID thing, he doesn't believe it exactly, you know, and elections, of course, Trump won, and you know, all of the fraud, and the courts don't know anything. But two things jumped out at me, and that's why I do these interviews. And this is a, point one is a talking point I'm now seeing everywhere, okay? Mm. Which is finally answers the question of why did Trump and his allies lose 60 court cases in a row, right? And they have no answer for that because they had all the opportunity in the world to present evidence, and they never presented any evidence, any, none, zero, okay? Got laughed out of court by Trump appointed judges, etc., right? The new answer is they were scared of black people. The judges were. They, they were <laughs> and I swear to God, Tucker Carlson, there's this long Twitter thread that some idiot wrote, and everybody's, you know, and even all left people calling him brilliant and stuff. Tucker Carlson read the whole thing on air, and this guy, they're all doing it now. Oh, uh, no, nah, there was good, you know, black mobs and Antifa radicals and combined, and they were gonna. You know, the judges were scared, of course, because they they were worried that the black people were going to kill them, and that's why they voted against Trump, even though he obviously had the evidence on his side. So, look, guys, you know this story. There's another story that Waz and I were talking about sports. I'll probably bring that back up in a second. I'm just sick of the racism, man. I just I can't. Yeah. And and I didn't like. And I was talking to Edwin about this, our stage manager, after the show. Like I, of course I knew racism was around. Of course, right? But I have to confess, man, and and was I'm super interested in your perspective in this, obviously, right? I I guess I didn't know how quite how deep it ran, and the magnitude of the number of people who who believe like deeply racist things, 
And apparently they believed it this whole time. And you know, I'm just, I'm kind of stunned by it. You know, I always say that to me, racism a lot of times is both overrated and underrated in the sense that it's overrated in how how impactful it is on your life every day as a black person, right? Like you kind of just take it for granted that, you know, you walk into like this happened to me in my old apartment that I lived in in Santa Monica, where I'm walking towards the door, and the old Russian lady starts pulling it and she screams, "No!" as if like <laughs> I was coming to kill her, right? Sorry, <laughs> right, I know that's not supposed to be funny, but it's somehow really funny. And so you know, you you kind of get used to that kind of everyday stuff, right? But it's like whatever. I was like, wow, that was. Just blatantly racist, but you know, you kind of just move on with your life and you go on to doing whatever it is for the rest of the day, right? Like that's what I mean. Like we kind of overrate those interactions and like how 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 excuse me messed up racism is, right? Like it's if if you're doing it on a measurement, like there's both a bunch of people who feel like racist thoughts, right? That's just what it is. Um, I think it's underrated in the sense that like Jenk just mentioned, people don't realize how widespread it is, particularly anti-blackness in America, right? I remember a friend of mine, they was dating um a young woman who was Indian. And he told me that like her parents were kind of iffy about it because he was black. And I was like, damn, like even the Indians is off of us. <laughs> you know, it's like, like how widespread it is. I think people would be shocked, like how widespread anti-blackness. But you know, it's I'm not surprised because it's it's still a very effective tool to rile people up. Mm-hmm. So the people who are in the business of needing to distract people and get them riled up and get them angry in service of getting these other things done. Of course, they're gonna still use it as a tool because it's still effective, you know? Yeah, Fran, before I go to you, like, and it's old school, you can jump in anytime, of course. But um, but I just wanted to just double down on what Waz was saying because so I went out with an Indian girl, she was great, she's wonderful, but she, she couldn't introduce me to her parents because I was Muslim, okay, and and they're Hindu, and so and um, and so that that's half the story, right? So have I been through that? Sure, and I, I had the same exact attitude as was, which is like, eh, what am I gonna do? Okay, <laughs> like that's it is what it is, and that's like that's kind of your issue and not my issue, right? And so like I wasn't chomping at the bit to meet your parents anyway, <laughs> okay. right? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And and but I know old school, I know the old world, right? And so like sometimes right wingers say like, oh, did you know that racism is just as bad in the rest of the world? Yeah, yeah, I definitely know that. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean we should do it here. That's the part you're missing, okay? Uh, and so uh, and then but the second part of it is like both the same and the and the and the opposite. Like so, part of my frustration is coming from this interview. Part of it is in re- relation to the England Italy game, which we're going to talk about in a second. But but the bigger part is I was talking to one of my best friends uh, earlier today. We were just talking on a, a app with all the guys and stuff, and um, and um, so he, he's black, and and it, of course his son is black, and that's my godson. And um, and every once in a while in the sports field, they'll they just call him the N word, and <laughs> and that just it it drives me crazy, right? And so that's the part I can't live with. 
when it happens to me, I can live with it. But it happens to someone I care about that's young and it's vulnerable, I can't abide by it, right? But you know, my friend was saying, well, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do, right? So I just talk to him and I tell him that's just, you know, they're jealous and just go kick their ass more. And right, and but you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And you gotta deal with that crap your whole life. So I, you know, and it's I guess it's a long way of saying I couldn't agree more with Waz. It's overrated and underrated, but it's at the end of the day though, it's becoming like the Miami Heat in at night, right? That humidity just will not get off you. Like you expect growing up somewhere else that it's not going to be as hot at night, right? But in Miami, it's just as oppressively hot at night, and you can't shake it. And that's what racism feels like to me. We can't shake this goddamn thing. I thought you meant the team, but yeah, also also the heat. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a really good way of putting it, overrated and underrated because it's so simplistic that it feels dumb. You know what I mean? Like it feels exactly. stupid to even analyze situations based like, oh, that's racist because it seems like such a base um, ridiculous, knee-jerk, tribal, um, pathetic, like um, sort of uh, category to to rest on. Uh, and I think the sad reality is, and I think this is the actually what what right wingers they really want to project a world that isn't so. They really want to say, well, I'm a human first, and that's the only thing that matters. And it's like, yes, I want to get there too. The problem is you can't wish it to be a not structurally racist society, you know? You can't just wish that. You know, and I remember being a young woman and the same thing of like, well, you know, I'm not really a feminist cuz I don't want to like I don't want to like distinguish myself. I just want to be. And and like we all just want to be. The problem is we need feminism, we need anti-racism, we need to actually get to equality. We're not there yet. We weren't born yesterday. And the crazy part about, you know, I was looking at the Trump 2020 election. I don't think we've seen a more blatantly racist election. There have been like certain, you know, throughout the years like Willie Horton, etc. But like the Nixon campaign of 68, pictures of people on the streets, you know, like you know, so-called rioting. There was real unrest in 68. I mean, there was real unrest last summer too, but like not necessarily on the 68 level, and he just hit it and hit it and hit it again. They're coming for you. These mobs, they're coming for you. And they and Trump did the playbook, but he lost, right? And now we could talk about whether or not if COVID had been around, if he had would have lost in the way. But like, yeah, it's it's amazing how you can just rest on that old stuff. And my question is, I think we might be seeing one of the one of the last gasps of like. I would say like whiteness in a sense, you know? And I know there's more to come, there's worse to come. But it's like they're fighting even just even just the conversation around critical race theory. This is the last thing I'll say is that you see the way they're like, wait a minute. So if everything is racist, oh, you everything. So I'm not racist. Oh, so you're not racist. So it's not a racist, it's just racism. And you're like, yeah, huh? Uh huh. You're getting it, and then they're like the next part. I feel like they're fighting it now. The next part is just them going like, "Oh, oh, that kind of makes sense," you know. And because it actually critical race theory really does depersonalize racism, you know, in I think a good way. Understanding how it is structural, how it isn't just about whether or not you know you personally did something bad. 
No, it is a, and a collective thing. And then the final thing I'll say is, I'm Asian, I'm Chinese, I'm Italian. And being Chinese, you know, and being from an immigrant family, and I think a lot of Asian communities, it is we absolutely benefit from the anti black racism in this country. Because immigrants are pitted against black Americans time and again. Oh, they, they're doing great. You know, they're they're fine. Um, not to mention the brain drain, the education level, like the kinds of immigrants, right, that are coming over here already with like degrees and, and stuff like that. But so anyway, just to say, a lot of Asians and Latinos very much see themselves outside of this conversation, and they're not. They benefit for sure from structural racism too. Um, yeah, and, and and you know what I would want people at home to to think about, like for me, where I sit, like. <laughs> When I'm watching a bunch of hayseeds on Vice talk about being part of the superior race, like I'm watching and I'm like, they know that's not true. (laughs) 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 Like, like they know, they know deep down inside, like they know that it's not true, right? So that's that's the one thing. That's why, like, it's hard for me to get worked up about some of the racism stuff because it's just. Like Fred said, it's so silly. It's just dumb. It's just not very smart. There's like you put any ounce of thought to it. I actually was talking about this on Twitch the other day. I was like, we made whiteness a thing that Irish people and Italian people get to both call themselves white. Mm-hmm. There is no through line there. There's nothing. There's nothing connecting these groups of people. But they get to America and they get to call themselves white. Like this, their cultures have nothing in common. These people are not alike. And yet they both get this. That's why I'm just like, yo, this is ridiculous. We're calling Cubans white now. Everybody gets to be freaking white now, you know? And so, and that's the funny thing about the um, Tucker Carlson and critical race theory and all of that. I'm just like, bro, we're just gonna make more white people. That's all we do. That's all we've ever done in this country, right? Like that's what we did with the Greeks. That's what we did with the Italians, the Germans, the Irish. You name it. The Jews. You name it. We just keep making more white people. There's no way for us to just like import a bunch of you know Central Americans and then now we're gonna change the racial makeup of the country. It's just like it's a joke. Like for me, from where I sit as a black person, watching people sort of like. Group themselves into whether or not they fit into the dominant society or not. It's like it's it's a fool's errand. And then at the and you know, and another point part of it, um, not to be too optimistic, but it just feels <laughs> desperate. Like yes. it feels yes. desperate. That's what I'm saying. Yes. With this. It feels like they got nothing else. So this is like, all right, let's can we go back to anti-blackness? Can mm-hmm. we get back to that? Well, because you know we can't, we're not scaring the hell out of people with ISIS and stuff like that anymore. Like we run, we've run out of things. We had the Russians in the '80s, but you know we we kind of running back. So it's like, all right, let's circle back to the anti-Negro stuff. That that used to work pretty good <laughs> back in the days. Let's circle back. It just seems desperate, and it's obviously so. Yeah, I hear you, but man, it runs deep. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not at all convinced they're not going to win in 2024. I'm not at all convinced they're not going to end democracy. So, you know, as long as it's like a, a loud but definitive minority and they're not winning elections, uh, then I'm all good with it. We'll, we'll battle it throughout time and we'll win because we're right. You know, uh, and Waz's point of like, Dude, you just gotta think about it for one second, right? And yeah. but and eventually I hope we can get people to think about it for one second. 
But I'm really worried about 2024. Uh, that I'll come back to that in a sec. But um, but to to Waz's other point, I mean, so Italians are white, but Mexicans who look a lot like them are not white, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the Spanish are. I don't, know. I don't know. Somewhere in the middle, right? <laughs> and Brazilians are definitely Latino, but Portuguese, I don't know. <laughs> even though they're identical, right? <laughs> so, so this is like there's some logic to it based on socioeconomic, geopolitical, and historical reasons. And there's some, and then there's no logic to it, right? And then, like, and they, and that's the other thing is like, like, can we really talk about how whiteness is a construct? Because that's essentially what we're saying. And we don't mean that racism is a construct. Racism is is pretty real, but race and whiteness are constructs. And sadly, like Waz was saying, I mean, the only people who don't actually get to become white are Black Americans. Because I mean, look, look at the Just way that by like George. Damn it. Just happens. <laughs> Your loss was. <laughs> I know. You know, you wanted it. But I mean, I feel like even Trump, you know, gained with Latino voters. Like you get George Zimmerman killing Trayvon Martin. That dude is like, you know, Chilean, but but really white. I mean, there's like a certain and that's the other thing is the messed up thing is you get your whiteness card by what? By being anti-black. And that's that is how Trump, I think, expanded some of his voter turnout within the Latino community. And look, here's another distinction that is absurd and makes no sense. And if you're a right winger, you're saying, "Hey, man, that's what we're saying, man. These racial distinctions make no sense." Listen to what Fran is saying. And if you actually read a thing about what critical race theory is saying, yeah, these are constructs. These are these are. And then you load it up with your preconceived notions, right? And so we're asking you not to load it up with negative, toxic stuff, right? So like, whiteness doesn't have to be racist at all, right? It's just that, like, the conditions led to this situation, right? So, but it doesn't have to be that way. So anyway, the last absurdity is Arabs and Jews. Mm-hmm. Arabs are not white. Uh, Jews are white. They're white Jews, white Jews are white. Exact place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right there. It's yeah. absurd, right? Ridiculous. And, and you know, I'm in a unique situation here because, man, my background really allows me to like organically empathize in a way that I wish everybody could empathize anyway. And I think a lot of progressives do. But right, Turks are originally from Asia. I was born in Europe. On the European side of Istanbul, uh, we're Mediterranean. I mean, you put me up next to an Italian guy, you're not going to be able to tell the difference, right? <laughs> and uh, and uh, and then, but we're definitely also Middle Eastern, so we're everything. You're right? everything, yeah. And, and so it gives it. And by the way, that's I've talked about this a million times. So I don't want to get back into it. But Turks have been the oppressed, and they have been the oppressors. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a super. If it can be super unique, it is an actually unique position, right? And so I can empathize with everyone. And so I'm telling you, if you're a right winger, white person, okay, like, we're, as long as like we're not trying to blame you, we're trying to get better, right? And you you're not responsible for what people did hundreds of years ago. 
but you are responsible for what you think today. You see what I'm saying? I'm not responsible for what the Ottoman Empire did. I ain't got nothing to do with it, okay? But I am responsible for how I think about Kurds and Armenians and Greeks and Bulgarians and Assyrians today. You see what I'm saying? And so, anyways, but, uh, but, and that, but I think also like race and racism, and is deeply embedded in a country and a location's history, right? And obviously, the the history of Turkey is completely different than the history of the United States. And I know we're going to talk about what happened in England after the Euro Cup, and I think that's really important because, you know, Europeans always point at the United States. So you guys are the ones with the racism. Why? Because we were the ones with the slavery, the hundreds and hundreds of years of slavery, where literally there was a definition of blackness: one drop, one drop. Does whiteness get one drop? No, 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 that's a whole process. One drop and you're black, right? And that was it, there was literal delineations coming and stemming off of slavery. Then you've got, you know, a 100 years of Jim Crow, etc. So like each, it is, you cannot graft the racial history of one country onto another. You know, I lived in Argentina for many years. There's a lot of people there, they consider themselves white in Buenos Aires, right? They're not all white, like most Argentines have some indigenous indigenous blood, they're mixed. But they totally conceive of themselves as white. They come to the United States and someone's like, "Oh no, you're Latino, you're, you're not white. And they're like, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, you know? And then Argentines are very, you know, they are whatever they are. But that happens a lot and so it's like each place has its own history, its own demons, its own, its own stuff to get right. I mean, and, and I, do, I do think we haven't, we, we cannot start from zero because we were not born yesterday. We have a history to take responsibility for. Yeah, and I think, you know, on the human side of this, I think what a lot of the right wingers are trying to explain to you when they complain about just the notion of critical race theory, it's this idea that they wouldn't. They don't get to feel good about being a white American, right? Like they want to think of themselves as being descended from these triumphant, great, you know, world conquering, world beating white people. Religious and, zealots. Right. <laughs> and and the idea that somebody would try to take that sense of sort of who they are from them by saying like, well, actually, you know, we did kind of murder the Native Americans as soon as we got here. And we didn't have to keep the blacks enslaved for as long as we did. And then we codified it into the laws and then we did X, Y, and Z. Like, they don't want to hear all of that. <laughs> they want to they want to hear about Abe Lincoln, maybe kind of. He's a traitor. Um, they want to hear about George Washington, Thanksgiving with the freaking Native Americans, and yes. X, Y, and Z, right? Like they don't want to have to think about that other stuff. And a lot of it is based on identity. Like if people have sort of their whole lives been taught to think that who they are inside is tied to an untrue notion of who. Founded this country and built it, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I can understand why they don't want to let it go. Like, the brand of white American used to be popping, it used to be a great brand. It's just now they're just like, hold on, man. You like, they don't, they just don't want to let it go. That's 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 all it is to me. Yeah, there's that's I think that's a million percent right because everybody's obsessed with their identity, right? And and I get it, I get why, right? Because it's who you are. And so you're a lot more your identity than you are your knee or your elbow, okay? 
And so what did you put into your conception of your identity? Unfortunately, a lot of us are taught at an early age and rage that your identity is centered around your ethnicity. And that's a that's a big, big problem. So I know that because I grew up in Turkey in the beginning, then America here, right? And then in Turkey, Turkey's the biggest, there's no other country that's big. And you know, is there racism in the whole world? Are you crazy? So, you know, people in America make the mistake of thinking that Turks are racist against Kurds, Armenians, Greeks, etc. Nah, I'm telling you, I grew up in Turkey. We had Armenian friends, never cared, never discriminated, as far as I knew. Like that doesn't mean nobody in Turkey did, don't be crazy, right? Doesn't mean the government didn't, they certainly do against the Kurds, right? But nobody put any cultural uh, you know, weight into like hating Greeks or Armenians. And Kurds is a complicated uh, one. But mm-hmm. so this is all a lead up to what the Arabs? Okay, now you, if you're from America, you're like Turk, Arab, I can't tell the difference, right? Uh, but uh, for Turks, if you call them Arabs, they're like, They'd be deeply offended. Yeah. And then I would ask them, wait, why are you offended? What's wrong with being Arab? Ah, there you go. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> and so that's real, man. And every Turk that's watching this is pissed at me right now if they still identify as a Turk. And the reason they're pissed at me is they're going right now, they're screaming into the camera, shh, don't tell them. Mm. Right? Because nobody's saying it isn't true. Okay, like so, and and it sucks about humanity that we've got to invent some sort of myth where our identity is superior to other people's identity. Yeah. Okay. It's a great form of political control, right? It's easy. It's tribalism. It is susceptible to strongmen. You just whip up. You know, the U.S. did it in Iraq. Shia versus Sunni. Perfect. Done. Divide, conquer, end of story. We do it to ourselves. If you didn't see England, Italy finals in the Euro Cup, the shootouts were amazing. I mean, it was the most <laughs> dramatic thing I've seen in a long time. Like I watched with my with my whole family actually. And honestly, they were largely bored throughout the whole game. But when we got the penalty kicks, <laughs> Uh, I mean, you can't be bored by the penalty kicks. Right. The drama is way too high, right? Yeah. And and so the England's winning, and then Italy turns it around, and now they're winning, and then England comes back, and then oh no, Italy wins again. So that was already amazing in and of itself. But as I was watching it, I started to develop a sick feeling in my stomach because the English players first Kane went, and he hit a spectacular goal. Maguire went spectacular goal. Those those two players happen to be white. Right. Then England brings up Rashford. He's black. He misses. He hits the post. Mm-hmm. Already, I'm like, oh, I know the next two players are black. I'm like, oh, please make the shots. Please make the shots. Right. And then Sancho comes up and he misses. Oh no, two black players in a row missed. Especially after two white players made it. I can sense like the racism pouring over the Atlantic and headed towards America from from England, right? Because England because all soccer fans are mental. Yes. So whoever missed, <laughs> they were gonna rip them apart from no matter what. Okay. That's the non-racial side of it. But when you add the racial component, you it's just gonna get supernova dark, right? And so then the last player up, and now all of England is riding on this, because if he misses, they lose and Italy wins. 
Sokka, and he's also black. And he's 19 years old, he's a kid, okay? <laughs> and he didn't miss, it's just the goalie, the Italian goalie had an amazing save, right? Oh, I was like, oh no, the die is cast. And everybody <laughs> knew what was gonna happen, and of course it happened. And now all the way up to the prime minister, even Boris Johnson's, everybody's in power and in any official capacity in the UK is like, Please stop being racist, we're begging you. It's like over the top, it's ridiculous. Please, you're embarrassing us. Stop saying racist things on social media against our own players. And so, and it didn't, it didn't help. It wasn't hard enough. Right, like, and it, it didn't help that when the tournament started, you know, the black players, they organized the kneel before the game and so, they got booed in the first game of the tournament for that. Like they they've been very outspoken about like, you know, sort of LGBTQ rights and 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 ending child poverty and all of this, all of this great stuff that they're, you know, that they've been front facing about. A lot of the younger black players, right? And it was fine because like they had an unexpected run in the tournament and everybody's happy and you know, the team is bringing people together. But soon as you lose, it's like, yeah, you should have been practicing penalty kicks instead of being a social justice warrior, right? Like that's that's just a typical life cycle of today's society. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're always on the brink of something very dark. Happening, particularly around the um, the issue of race. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah. I I totally watched it in the same way, Jank. Obviously, very much rooting for Italy. Um, the only reason I wasn't rooting for Italy is on the off chance that Idris Elba might like get naked in celebration, and I was like, I will definitely be there for that um, because Idris had like some just great posts on social media. But like I clocked it, I clocked it that they were black players. Like I think of just maybe two, I don't know what it was, but I like clocked it and I was like, okay. And I didn't think anything of it. And then I saw later on there was you know something about it and I was like, oh, working backwards. It would have been the same if it had been Italy. Mario Balotelli was a great Italian soccer player. They, the Northern Italians where my family's from, not quite, but yeah, near there. They threw banana peels on yeah. the field when my man would get Dark. out and like play. Like, Stark. come on. They they were I mean, yes, and it was a rival team, whatever, whatever, but like it would have been shoe on the other foot, Italy, Spain, any other country, it totally would have been the same. So there's some solace in that. Um, but and and God, soccer players, I don't know, Waz, you could tell me about other players, but I feel like soccer players from the games that I've been in, like in Argentina it was like ah the Peruvians and the Bolivians. Even the Peruvian and Bolivian fans are chanting the anti-Peruvian Bolivian chants. They're just they're like ah the Peruvians and Bolivians, oh, no, no, that's what you. And they're like, wait a minute, that's you. What are you doing? Why are you? It's just they're so racist, you know. And then the like, you know, saying, sorry, I'm gonna say it, but like in in Mexican Spanish or whatever, their chant that chant is pretty funny to me. I know it's very homophobic. <laughs> but yeah, they like they can't continue. They can't continue the game if they say well, anyway. It's a whole yeah. It, you know the level of hooliganism though in England is 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 on a very 
very high level. Like some of their fans are pretty, and obviously it's a minority and it's not everybody. A lot of people can go to a game, sing their songs, root for their team and just be normal people and go home. But there is that you know minority of fans who are just, Completely insane, like some, and of course the game started at I think 8 p.m. local time over there, so they spent well 12, 12 hours getting hammered for this thing. <laughs> so like, I, I, look, I, I I can't say that I was surprised, but in the moment I was just like, oh boy. Hmm. And then the one homie was biracial, but like you said, a drop in the bucket. You're black, right? <laughs> so I was like, "Yo, they're not gonna spare you, brother." Yeah, it was um, it was tough to watch because I definitely was rooting for England uh, to take it. But uh, as I I was texting our friend Nando mm-hmm. during the match, and he was like, "You can't root for England," because he kept just kept sending me video after video after video of insane England English soccer fans. The one. That I think that I think is safe for air. There were three guys, all with their pants down. Um, they stacked their butts on top of each other, and somebody poured a beer from the top butt, and a guy was <laughs> drinking it from the bottom. Yeah, that's that's, the, <laughs> that's, that's called an anal bucha. You guys don't know that? Wow. <laughs> Oh man, you guys are rookies. Uh, I'll then, never understand men ever, <laughs> ever like that instinct. Okay, so friends, we, we we used to do that all the time in rugby. Okay, now I say we, but before, hold on, before, okay, no, but back then I didn't drink, uh, and so I got out of all of that, right? <laughs> as, as they were doing. And then if anybody objected, because they put tremendous peer pressure on, right? Sure. Like if you're not drinking beer from the anus of other men, it, back then they're like, oh, it's kind of gay, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait. Oh <my> God. <laughs> and, I, and I was not going to be able to talk about of drinking beer from the anus of other men is not gay. Right? <laughs> you're like, um, I beg to differ. <laughs> right. So, um, so, uh, but I had an easy card on that one. I was like, I'm Muslim. I don't drink. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> By the way, that's not even. We don't why. drink, but we don't. <laughs> yeah. No butt stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen it, man. And then there's the sack boot <sighs> jug. I mean, don't get don't the ma- <laughs> sack boot jug. I don't want to know. <laughs> sack boot chug. You know what? Oh, Chuck I get it. Is. Sack. You get boot. where the boot is. The beer is going into the boot. That's the shoe, and you get the rest. Okay. So things have happened that shouldn't have happened, and they happen far too frequently. Luckily, I got the. That's the one time the Muslim card has helped me. Oh, <laughs> that's that is very that is really funny. <laughs> but then, Jenk, you know this the slogan, right? That like, you know. Rugby is a sport played by savages and enjoyed by you know gentlemen, and soccer is a sport played by gentlemen, enjoyed by savages, savages, whatever, like you know hooligans, because it's the complete opposite, right? Like rugby fans are actually fairly buttoned up, but it's a violent and insane sport, and soccer is fairly gentlemanly. I mean, except for Argentina, Brazil, which my Argentina team did win, but it was horrible. They were just like fouling each other all over the place. And like, 
but it's fairly tame when it comes to the physicality in terms of pushing each other, hurting each other. But the fans, whew, other yeah. level. No, no, rugby was insane, man. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, let's note for the record that Fran had an unreal soccer weekend where it was so Italy good. and Argentina both won. I mean, Jeez. I was screaming. I was by my, my boyfriend. I was like, "You need to come sit with me." He, he, I used to live in Argentina. I used to be with an Argentine man. We're still, we're still friendly. And uh, but I made my boyfriend come down because I just needed someone else to scream. I don't want to go to a bar, but I was just like standing up and like screaming at the television. And then it's always in Spanish. You know, well, I, I always know where the ball should go. Argentina. I mean, your boyfriend didn't root against Argentina in that case because of my ex. <laughs> yeah, I could see some guys going the other way with that, being like, That's "Yeah, true. I don't want to see your ex." Probably. No, nah. no, and then shot. I made him watch. I made him watch the Germany versus Brazil seven to one game, which is always a just the the tears. That was in 2014. Remember when Germany won seven one? But oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I do. No, no, that. I remember. We remember that game. That but was, I that love was the, the the Schadenfreude of you replaying that game this year. <laughs> just I did it just Brazil. just to be like, yeah, f you Brazil. <laughs> I'll tell you a quick rugby story, and then like the best thing about sports. And so we'll turn a you know a, a, a dark conversation into a positive one in a sec. But uh, so rugby was so violent on the field um, that like there was just like nonstop senseless violence. Yeah. And so like number one, uh, and I'm gonna tell you a bad story about myself in a second. But I've told the story before about how I I got elbowed in the face and the and. And I had a giant opening on my uh, face, and my coach was like, "Ah, it's not a big deal." And he wrapped it in like, just like tape, like <laughs> not band aid, not bandages, just tape. Okay, and he's like, "You're fine," and he sent me back in there. Okay, <laughs> and uh, and afterwards, I went to the emergency room, and this it, my skin was open like this. It was oh crazy, God. crazy, right? Anyways, but that this this you I've told that story before, but this I don't think I told. Um, I remember I was on the bottom of a scrum and some guy just started choking me. And I can't get up because there's like two, three, four giant guys on top of me. And I can't breathe. And he's just choking and choking and choking, right? And finally, when he let go, I could, like, I was in such a blind rage. I got up and I just swung at the first guy from the other team and punched <laughs> him right in the face, right? And uh, turns out it was the wrong guy. <laughs> and so it gets more awkward. They were both Asian, uh, and they were the only Asian guys on Drexel. Okay, but it was just—I didn't even look. I just swung at the first guy because. Well, did they accuse you of anti-Asian racism? No, no. That's you the amazing felt- thing about rugby. Okay, first of all, <laughs> nobody got thrown out of the game. True. I didn't get thrown out for punching a guy in the face. He didn't get thrown out for choking nearly the life out of me. Right. And then later, coincidentally, we were because Drexel and Penn are right next to each other, our campuses in Philly, right? We happen to be at the same wings place, okay? I know. <laughs> and we're all drinking, of course, right? I forget if at that point I'd started drinking or not, probably not. But anyway, um, and the guy I punched in the face, no, yeah, the guy who was innocent that I had punched in the face came up to me and I was like, uh oh. Right, and everybody tenses up, right? Uh, because now we're in the real world, and you're not allowed to punch each other in the face. And uh, <laughs> and he came up and he said, "Sorry," and I was like, "Sorry," 
I punched you in the face and you were the wrong dude, right? And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, our guy's a, uh, can I say the D word? No, uh, our guy's a penis. <laughs> he is a penis. <laughs> he's like, I'm sorry, man, that, that guy is such a jerk and we, we can't get him under control. I know he was choking you, so don't sweat punching me, man, it's cool. And I was wow. like, that's America, I love this guy, that's, <laughs> oh, that's, that's nice. our better angel. <laughs> what do you do in that? I guess they they figure that your necks are so thick that you're just kind of like skrr. Like, what do you? How do you prevent? Because your hands were down, right? You couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And what was he trying? Like, was he trying to just like kill you? Like, well, I don't understand. But <laughs> what he what the point was of of choking a guy out during a freaking scrum? Yeah. Yeah. No. Just there's no rules. You- yeah, there's a culture in rugby, at least when I played, that like a lot of stuff is no holds barred. And the more you mess with the other team, the better, okay? Mm-hmm. And it'll get under their skin, it'll unnerve them, mm-hmm. it'll intimidate gotcha. them, right? Gotcha. So our our big guys used to rub garlic and onions all over their bodies before the games. Oh, God. Okay? Ridiculous. So when they went into that scrum, it was it's just ridiculous. awful. Right, it's ridiculous. It really, it really is. I don't know that it ever affected a game one percent. Right? You know what affects the game better? Uh, running faster, being stronger, and scoring. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but uh, and and practicing more and having better skills. But anyways, they they used to do that and stuff. And yeah, some guys would do cheap shots in the middle of scrums, punch you in the back of the head, etc. But guys, you've never been like more like there's no feeling in the world worse than. Your body is trapped, your arms are trapped, yeah. your legs are trapped, and yeah. someone's choking you. No, that's insane, that is a nightmare. Rugby yeah. is crazy and the stuff, that's why I always think it's funny when soccer players go down, when they get like lightly tapped and they're like, Neymar, I'm sorry, but such a crybaby. <laughs> <laughs> and Messi, as Messi gets older, he's starting to go down too, but the guy doesn't like to go down, which is great. He shouldn't, he would get more penalties, but like he doesn't. Neymar was like running into the penalty box and like, ah, you can't just do that. You can't just <laughs> run into people, fall down and get a penalty kick. We see you, Neymar. Um, Anyway, friend, no. I didn't I didn't realize you had all this anti-Brazilian sentiment in you and I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm here for it too. Like I love Brazil, but I, I'm I'm enjoying this particular anti-Brazilian soccer hate. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we haven't even talked about Chile yet. We could, we can get into that. But yeah, no, Brazil. Who hates Chile? Nobody hates Chile. Argentines hate Chileans. <laughs> uh, that's a big thing. They had, they stole land from us, damn it. And they're way more allied with Americans. So it's political as well. Also, they conspired <laughs> with the English against the Argentines. Everyone conspired with the English against the Argentines. The English tried to colonize Argentina. Okay, I'm done. But uh, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> okay, so. Um, I, I hear you on all that, uh, and Neymar, it, the whole world sees you, brother. Uh, nobody, you're not getting foul calls anymore. You're not getting penalty calls. We all know it. The refs know it. Everybody knows it. And if you notice at the end of that Brazil-Argentina game, um, all of a sudden Neymar wasn't flopping uh, because he needed to stay up to try to score a goal. And then I was shocked. I'm like, wait, he just survived two, three tackles in a row. It turns mm-hmm. out he doesn't have to explode upon contact. Right, he was just and the croc tears, the croc tears. Oh, so I think it, I think those were fake too. I'm sorry. Of course, I don't know everything <laughs> about Neymar's fake. 
Um, all right, uh, so guys, I know we got a new funny soccer tangent here, but when we so we're we're done for the regular episode. We got the bonus episode. It's a whole other forty-five minutes for the members. If you're watching on YouTube, you can hit the join button below. Tyt.com/slash/join for everyone else. One of the things we're going to discuss in the uh, in the bonus episode is how soccer, in particular, but sports, was one of the greatest moments of my life. And so uh, I, I just want to share that with the audience. All right. Uh, so members, stay right here. We'll see you in a second.